0: This is the Olive Magazine podcast, a weekly roundup of food and drink chat brought to you by the team behind Olive Magazine. I'm Janine, Olive's food director and podcast host, and this is episode 148. This week, I caught up with chef, author and olive favourite Sabrina Gayo to chat about her latest book, Bazaar. She tells me how she's adapted some classic Persian dishes to be meat-free but still packed with flavour. I get some great tips on making the most of your stock-up and ingredients and we cook one of the hero recipes together, a baked spiced rice with a crispy tardy crust. So, welcome back to the podcast, Sabrina Gale. Thank you very much. It's lovely to see you. It's lovely to see you too. And we're here to talk about uh, your new book, Bazaar, which is all vegetarian recipes. I know, shocker. I know, because the Sabrina I know. <laughs> Likes meat. Yeah. <laughs> love, um, yeah, I love so a very it, diet. Yeah, when did it start, um, when did the idea start coming about that you're going to do a vegetarian book?
1: To be honest, it didn't really sort of hit me as an idea. It was just because I started noticing how little meat I was eating by comparison to like, you know, just even the year before. This was probably, this probably works out to be about two years ago now. And I just, I don't know. I I think my publisher had always sort of said, you know, anytime you want to do a vegetarian book. (laughs) And I was like, no, I eat meat. No. You know, I always, it's... I just felt for me it would have been disingenuous because yeah. I was Middle Eastern, I'm Persian, mm. I'm like, you know, I'm known for being a meat lover in yeah, the family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, it's just, it's such a normal thing. Yeah. I just felt enough people were doing nice vegetarian recipes, and I'll leave it there. Yeah. And then I noticed I started doing weird stuff at home. Not weird stuff, <laughs> like like stuff that were outside of my uh, comfortable um, repertoire okay. with vegetables at home. Like I would just... I think one day I made something, and I think you actually asked me to do something quite similar for the magazine. It was oh, there yeah. was a was cabbage it... pasta. That, oh yeah, that was so good. It's, it's that kind of vibe. It, I remember the first time I made it. It was just because I had cabbage in the fridge yeah. that needed to be used, but I didn't have anything else in the house. Mm-hmm. So when I don't have anything else in the house, it always starts pasta and garlic and chili. Because you know the alio, yeah. olio, pepperoncino, yeah. Italian. Because it's just there's that's when you've got nothing in the cupboards. Right. That's exactly how so that forage came. foragey meal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I was like, cabbage. Oh God, that doesn't. Oh, stuff it. I'll put the cabbage in there, and I did put the cabbage in there. And then I found I had a really manky lemon that needed to be zested or <laughs> really solid or it, <laughs> and and I flicked so, you know some lemon zest into mm. there, and <clears throat> obviously I always have a bit of feta as well. Yeah. So I kind of pulled it together, and I was like. God, that really hit yeah. every spot I had, you know. <laughs> and I, I, it was the first time that it kind of started to occur to me that, you know, cabbage isn't your first port of call for a pasta recipe. No. But actually, maybe there's more to this, stirring cabbage into and uh, random brassicas yeah. into so many different things. And it kind of started to make me think differently, mm. which is not something I'd done before because it's... I think at home, if you're a meat eater, you are, if you're tired, you either think takeaway. Right. Or if you do something at
0: home, it tends to usually involve meat. So you'd kind of previously, you'd start with the idea of what, what meat am I going to get? And then what am I going to do with or it? Or just you of, swing yeah. by a supermarket yeah. and you, and you pick just up pick a up of... some,
1: you know, not so hot packet of yeah. meat or something. <laughs> or mince, mince, that great, yeah, yeah, yeah. cheap. Can't be bothered cooks really quickly. That's an idea for the next book.
0: Yeah. <laughs> there's a pretty good book called Mince Inspiration. actually. Actually, I know there's a 60s book called Marvelous Meals with mints, Mince because I've seen it. I, I like it. I think if I ever quit meat, I
1: would be like, but not mince, right? <laughs> mince is like my bacon. Mince you is know? like a separate food group. It's a separate food group. It's processed, it's not even meat anymore, it's been completely processed, so it's fine. Um, so, I mean, it, I just realize now mm. that actually I'm 40 plus and my body just is like, <laughs> you think you can digest me, you <laughs> sucker. You really can't. Yeah. And I have that problem, especially, and I hate to say it with beef because really? it is such a big animal.
0: Yeah.
1: And I think that lamb doesn't always have the same effect on me. Yeah. Not with minced beef, but. Like sitting down eating just a steak, even if it's beautifully cooked. After a while, I'm like, just that repetitive chewing. yeah, And I just, I give up.
0: You don't want to be fighting your food, do you? I mean, it's that's... And
1: you want to love it. Yeah. And the truth is, if something inside you is going, hey, hey, you've had enough. Hey, no. you don't really want me anymore. No. <laughs> Listen to it. Yeah. Even if it's controversial for you personally, not controversial publicly, but like in your head like, hang on, I love yeah. me. What's why am I why is my body not wanting yeah. this? listen to your body
0: but if you're so if you're like standing on the edge of the cliff of I'm going to write a vegetarian book and, <laughs> and 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 you've come from that previous meat eating kind of background I mean it must seem quite daunting that you've got to how many recipes have we got in the book it must be a oh, hundred hundred yeah I should really 50, know yeah. <laughs> but no, I think
1: it's like 101
0: <laughs> but that's quite a daunting prospect isn't it? I mean how did you approach it how did you plan it did, I mean it... they always sort of come to me and go any ideas for your
1: next book thankfully <laughs> yeah um, otherwise if you if there's a silence yeah. essentially that's not really a good thing um they they sort of came to me and I said yeah I mean a lot of food that doesn't have meat in it and if for them it was yeah. like ah, like <laughs> glory hallelujah she's finally succumbing to a meatless book um you know, that's the thing. I I'm never pushed to do sometimes stuff is suggested and most of the time I'll go, nope. Yeah. Just shooting it down. <laughs> because if it doesn't feel right for me, I've yeah, got not to... gonna, I'm not gonna do it. No. I'm not, I, I don't think, I'll say this, I don't think like I would ever write a baking book. Right. Why? Because you know they're everywhere and there are people who are far more gifted bakers than me and also it's so saturated because of shows like Bake Off and things like that and it's wonderful and educational but like you don't need my
0: recipe but you're not living it like day to day that's not not your I'm not living it day
1: to day and actually how I'm living it is a bit of a mess sometimes because (laughs) the only reason I'm good at the bakes that I do make and that's not all the bakes like you would never see me write a shoe pastry recipe because there have been some really bad disasters that I've entered like in pancakes. the bin. <laughs> like pa- pancakes I can make, she, <laughs> pastry. I'm like, you could put this in a pan? <laughs> and then it just was like, into the bin because it was just so bad. And I was just, who writes this stuff? And this was obviously years before I was a cook, but I just, I need to write the things that work for yeah. me. And maybe I think people sometimes say to me, but it's your kind of cakes are the ones I want to make because I know they're easy. Mm. And I'm like... And then if you write easy bakes in wherever you search for books, it's Millions. riddled with it. Yeah. So, you know, it has to be right. And it just felt right. Yeah. And now I just wonder if maybe I have another, like, vegetarian book with wow. me for later down the line. Because I'm already making really? so many more just for myself at home, veggie recipes, and thinking, damn, that was good. So you've, you know? like, you've opened the door to... I've a whole Pandora's vegetarian, vegetarian box.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Pandora's veg box.
1: Yeah, I'll never, so There's a business idea in there
0: somewhere. Don't tell
1: anyone. <laughs> um, I don't think, yeah, I don't think life will ever be the same, mm. actually. I don't suddenly think, well, stuff this. I've had enough of vegetables. I'm mm. going back to meat. Once in a blue moon, I do, uh, like last night, I had a serious craving for really well salt and pepper seasoned chops. Oh yeah, nice. This chops craving had been yeah. sitting in my head all bloody week. <laughs> and I just kept thinking, oh, lamb chops." And I kept going past butchers knowing yeah. that I was working, so it's pointless buying them. And I was like, "Oh, I just really want no. lamb chops." And then I finally went somewhere looking for lamb chops and they'd sold out. <laughs> and that was the only night I could eat them. So last night, I finally got some and I came home and I there were six of them and of course by 3, like meat sweats, totally yeah. sluggish, couldn't move. <laughs> You know, you just got to get used to the habit that potentially you can't eat that way anymore and you just need to accept that.
0: Yeah. So when you when you did start recipe testing and recipe developing, um, did you have certain veg that you that you loved already that, you know, as a starting point? Or were you just looking at all vegetables, you know, as a as your main ingredient?
1: I think uh, it's quite interesting. That's actually a very, that would be a very intelligent way of planning a book, wouldn't it? (laughs) Unfortunately, I'm thicker than that. (laughs) And then, and there there is a method to my madness in that there's no method and it's just mad. right? I don't, I wish I was more disciplined. And I I, I sometimes look at people and they go, right guys, I'm thinking of writing another book. And then they ask their audiences, what do you think I should write? And I'm like, huh what because i'm just like quite envious of that because just that's not how i write a book i just end up putting recipe titles together okay just through you know keeping a list in my notes section on my phone and just traveling over time even if there is no book and then when it comes to doing a book i'll extract because i'll have like hundreds of recipe titles and ideas in my head Based on something I ate, maybe in yeah. you know, Thailand or whatever, that, yeah. and then come and chop and change it to be yeah. Sabrina eyes, yeah. and then I just extract the ones that I think might work for whatever project I'm working on, whether that's a magazine or mm-hmm. whether that's a, a book, and then it just happens. And somewhere in that is a nice balance. And then somewhere I might go, oh my god, okay, there's like five butternut squash recipes, yeah, and you know not enough green. Yeah, so you bring so that the, in. But very last minute. Yeah. Um, or maybe I have one that I just kind of add in because it's already in my repertoire but not shared mm. publicly. And, yeah, it kind of happens like that. But, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I think <laughs> I think there'd be an uproar if I did a book without an aubergine recipe in no. it. Because people get really like, whoa, whoa, you know, because that's the meat of the Middle East yeah. in the vegetable world, isn't it? It's, and you do it, love aubergines, certainly. I, mean, I um, love aubergines. There's an
0: aubergine on the cover. And (laughs) there is an aubergine on the cover. Yeah. The cover Um, itself
1: is aubergine coloured. Yeah, it is. I mean, I had to resist with the pomegranates because I was like, stick a pomegranate on
0: it somewhere. And then I was like, maybe not. But aubergine's one of those meaty veg, isn't it? It's a meaty veg. It's got that, it's got so much texture and it
1: really really does and it, it's such a wonderful carrier but the problem with aubergines that I'll always maintain is yeah. most people don't know how to cook yeah them yeah and they properly. or they sweat of, cook they, them and they yeah. become the skin becomes S- grayish yeah. on the outside and the flesh becomes dull gray and yeah. bitter yeah and they sweat and they're and they're just not pleasant so you what's know? your top tips for cooking aubergine you you just cannot if you're going to cook an aubergine you can either roast it in the oven brush yep. it with oil and yep. then it doesn't absorb as much as Which you all, need yeah. it to and just flip them over yeah. um but if you're going to fry an aubergine there's no such thing as a as a tiny dop, drop of oil yeah. you just can't get around it it's gonna
0: suck up all the it oil is anyway.
1: but it's it is aubergines are like sponges they always as much water as a sponge will release almost mm. when you squeeze it, it it kind of gives you that water out yeah. and aubergine is almost the same mechanism in that it is a sponge-like vessel it does absorb oil because it needs to cook mm. the flesh but actually once that's done you can actually put it on lined uh like a, a plate or a plateau lined with loads of kitchen roll yeah. and then take some extra and pat it gently and it'll give top. it back up again it'll give a lot of it back but the problem is if you shallow fry it and shallow frying for me is like a tiny skimp of oil at the bottom. Yeah. I technically shallow fry things. I put like about, I don't know, let's say half an inch of oil, a generous yeah. amount of oil in a pan. For me, that's not exactly deep frying, but no, it does the it's job. it's quite, yeah. Yeah. Um, when you cook it that way, it doesn't absorb as much oil anyway, and it oh, cooks yeah. so much faster, yeah. but teaching in my classes, I watch students week in, week Mm. out cook aubergines, different groups of people with different opinions on how it should be. And I noticed that one thing they have in common is they are kind of slightly nervous of really browning an aubergine. Because
0: yeah, I think it's gonna burn it's all, too yeah. much. And I'm just like, no, you really need to go for it. Um I think I think people I've got a theory that people who think they don't like aubergines have had really badly cooked aubergines. Because totally I just think it's it's such a delicious veg when it's cooked properly. We've got
1: there that is no al
0: dente it. aubergine. This is why I always no. say in my classes. It's <laughs> spongy. If it's,
1: oh, that it should, it should not have any resistance no, on the inside. It should, you should be and able if you squidge have your finger it through it. In yeah. a restaurant yeah. where it does, yeah. send it back. Because, yeah. you know. The shame should be theirs for not yeah. cooking it properly. Yeah. But the only recipe on God's earth where aubergine has a little bit of texture mm. to it is when the Italians preserve their aubergines. They call it sottolio, oh, in oil. Yeah. And what they do is they salt them to get all the water oh, out so yeah. it doesn't, you know, ruin it and they're preserved. And then they kind of preserve it in oil with raw garlic and chopped mint yeah. and chili. And it's amazing. But that texture's it's great, totally isn't It's yes. It's a char-grilled yeah. sort of... You know, it's a totally different thing. It's got a lot more uh, substance to it. But aubergines, the truth is, if it's cooked, you should be able to swish your finger or a fork or a spoon through it, and it should be puree and it should be beige, not grey. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And that takes us neatly on to one of the recipes that you, um, is in our issue this month, our May issue, um, sorry, April issue, um, which is your smoked aubergine pepper and walnut salad and what I'm fascinated by with this is because you do you do something that I do um which is the 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 charring of the aubergines which you can do on if in summer on a barbecue, but yeah. you've actually previously done it on a gas hob, haven't you? Which yeah, well, is commonly
1: quite... it's done on gas hobs. Yeah. Com- commonly in domestically, it would be done on gas hobs, um, which is why I can't, I can't uh, you know, sometimes I struggle if I go and like yeah. cater at someone's or yeah, I used yeah. to cater
0: at somebody's house. And I was like,
1: I, well, why didn't I bother to ask my yeah. client if they've
0: got gas? <laughs> I mean, you can do it kind of under a hot grill as well, but what's really you nice about it is, can is, it is you, can, you can kind of control it on the hob, can't yeah. you? Yeah. So you in this, recipe what are you doing with the aubergine you're you're literally blackening it to yeah like you said
1: and listeners let me give you a tip because you'll thank me later otherwise you'll curse the the day that you listen to this podcast <laughs> you'll curse my name um if you are going to tackle this at home um l- like and you have gas hobs just whip that main round bit off your gas hob and just line your hobs with foil because aubergines when they cook they've got these sugars inside them and those juices pour out of the aubergine because of a high water content bring the juices the sugars out with them and that becomes this brown liquid that seals itself to your stovetop and requires a lot of elbow grease and a bit of steel wool to scrub but if you line it with foil no drama mama nothing (laughs) um So what you do is you turn your biggest hobs on, ideally, with Mm -hmm. a biggest flames the double burner is also fine if uh, well, they those lucky enough to have a double burner <laughs> um, and you take a pair of flame proof tongs so not just not like the plastic a ones. Not <laughs> the plastic ones um and then you literally place two aubergines directly onto the hob or one if it's a small hob yeah. right into the fire straight into the flame <clears throat> people are wow. petrified of this and they go i'm so i'm so scared it's going to explode if it makes you feel better you can prick it but quite frankly don't yeah. because this is a totally different process. What happens is as the aubergine skin blisters, just like human skin blisters, when we burn ourselves, mm. it becomes tight. Yeah. And then it starts to wrinkle as the moisture kind of goes back through it. The same thing happens with the aubergine. It becomes tight, tight starts to blister and crackle, but it mm. does burst. The skin does actually eventually crackle yeah. and allow juices to come pouring out because what you're trying to do is essentially you're collapsing the aubergine from its full oh, mass right. to about okay. probably a third or even half of its mass because you're smoking it, yeah. and but, but putting it in the fire, a lot of the water will, will come, just out come out Yeah, and it will cook the insides. But what you just need to do is you need to blister and crackle it all around, right. and then you don't have to worry about pricking it because it's going to crackle and burst anyway, yeah. but not burst and you know, cover yeah. you in aubergine. Um, so that's kind of the process. It's a godsend on a barbecue because you just, just slap them in slap there, them in and like doodles, brilliant you go recipe back inside, for the summer, yeah. like, uh, drink or whatever, and
0: then uh, you know, cu- go back out again. But and know, then it's lovely. And this recipe because it is we've got peppers as well, you're doing the same, a similar thing with the peppers. Yeah. too and getting yeah. them blackened and then that trick where you put them in a um in a food bag close it to steam, just steam sweat them off steam the skins yeah. off yeah i mean i couldn't
1: take credit for that trick i the first time i ever saw that was with jamie oliver
0: yeah and it's i was like good genius
1: yeah. <laughs> or you can just cover a bowling cling film yeah. and just you just you're sweating the skins to separate them from the actual flesh i mean sometimes i get really lazy and i don't bother to do it <laughs> but if,
0: uh, not for my clients more for me and then basically, when mixing the that aubergine puree and the because you're scooping it out, you leave the skins behind. Yeah, you leave
1: the skins behind because they're going to be blackened and shards blood, of yeah. burnt stuff. Yeah, um, a tiny little bit is okay, but yeah. just think, put put one of the bits of skins in your mouth and think, yeah. oh, that's unpleasant, and nobody else will, <laughs> yeah. is either going to want to eat that um and then you kind of you don't even need to mash the pulp in advance because mm. as you're mixing it it will kind of mash it sufficiently so it's yeah. not just um, some puree you want a little bit of texture yeah. um and then as you bring the dish together you know just it's really nice yeah. i love smoked aubergine i have to say in any cultures because lots of cultures in the I east share I know I was going to say that. this
0: really it's kind of a common <laughs> thing to do that and then mash it you've got yeah. um you've got cinnamon lemon uh, some garlic, olive oil and pomegranate molasses in there, which is such a lovely ingredient as well.
1: Yeah, I think for me, pomegranate molasses um, complements the and does the same sort of job as the lemon I mean, really like but sour. it is totally it's got a pucker that's yeah, very yeah, yeah. very rich and different and you know smoked aubergines the greeks have it the turks have it the persians have it the arabs have it the indians have it pakistan everyone, everyone seems it. to have yeah. one version um of a smoked aubergine dish
0: and they're all so different. Yeah, so they all know how to cook aubergine. Oh, we do. Uh, well, it was, you know, what? It's until... just, a, just us Brits who just haven't got clear. I guess. Oh, it's but it's why not... would you, though? Yeah, it's if, not, it's, uh,
1: if it's not within if it's your not like sort like of set of vegetables, yeah, yeah. you know,
0: it's, it's yeah. really weird. I mean, why would you? So just thinking about pomegranate molasses, because it occurred to me when I was reading through the the recipes that I think when you're embarking on, um, especially something like, you know, veg cooking a lot of vegetarian food it's really good to have a kind of arsenal of um stalker heroes mm-hmm. you know that you're going to use and you're going to bring to bear and I know you like your ingredients and I know you like your have little you jars. I've, I've seen your kitchen <laughs> I know you like your jars and your tubs and your spices I mean I prefer stuff. that they weren't visible yeah. but <laughs> um so can you take us through a few of them, like a few things that you, that you regularly pull out and go, that's going to add some like wallop to this dish? Okay. Uh, I don't think it's any
1: secret that I have a particular love for Rose Harissa. Yeah, I think that's... And I'm,
0: I only your think... Face on the jaw.
1: <laughs> I know. I really should. I know, right? Um... I, I think to be perfectly honest I'm the only reason I'm so loyal to that particular brand is because mm. just hands down they make the best quality. I think,
0: you know, I'm, is that Bellazzi? It we is. I didn't want to I not want
1: to be brash and mention can it it's because actually I, I mean it is it
0: is is a lovely rose Horissa. I've used it a lot. I think to be perfectly honest
1: that's the general consensus. Yeah. I don't know anyone who's ever sort of said, "Oh, I don't like theirs. No, I like I this it. stuff in a tube." Because yeah. actually the other ones are quite abrasive Mm. and can be bitter sometimes or have things like smoked paprika that have no business being in or a spanish ingredient you know and they're they're not part of the normal flavors Mm. and you know at its sort of peak harissa is a north african chili paste (laughs) with the addition here of rose water which is very slight which is a really very slight round flavor that you can't detect as rose and and it's very least, it's a chili paste. Mm. And I use it in Arabiata pasta and I stir it into soups and I'll make butter compounds with it. And I'll use it in bread doughs and I'll use it actually in a pasta dough, not just in the sauce and stir fries and you name it. I've even put it on cornettos. And I think this is, <laughs> people think this is quite weird, but. That is quite weird. But it works. <laughs> but it works. Next time you pull out like a, you need to go with a, a rather. Let's just say no fancy ice cream. Yeah. Like, you know, you could actually probably do it with a fancy vanilla bean ice cream, but it really works. It's yeah. though, if it's those r- obscenely sugary, you know, fake, that, yeah. fake rich ones, and it's just a tiny bit, it's like, mm,
0: mm, and the works. color as well is
1: gorgeous. Yeah. I just, I'm, I'm mad for it. And I use Harissa in everything okay. because it's just, it's the gift that keeps on giving. And I keep thinking one day I'm just going to run out of suggestions of things to do with Harissa. <laughs> and then you, and then you I, find something else. And then I can't even well, know. <laughs> then I'm like, I can never write a book again. And then I just find another 50 ways. So maybe I'll write the book 5,000 ways with Harissa or maybe one day. So that's
0: going to give you like a deep kind of like savory heat to dishes and yeah, spiciness. it so. does.
1: And if you use it correctly yeah. in a balanced way yeah. and i'll explain that so people go well, what do you mean by correctly if you balance it with other things it's actually not terribly spicy yeah
0: you're right actually because
1: i sometimes take and this is uh, it's a recipe i did in a previous book where it was just a, i just made a steak sarni basically yeah. you know because sometimes this gotta be done um, and i literally slapped a steak with covered it with rose harissa and by the time it hit the heat and the searing fire, I mean, I was quite surprised. I was like, it's really not, not that spicy <laughs> anymore. And I was like, how interesting that we use it in different ways. Mm, it, it changes, changes. completely. Yeah. And usually a good tip in recipes, like I, I would think nothing of using harissa uh, in a like a rib marinade or yeah. chicken wing marinade. It's perfect. Mm. You know, you just make your chicken wings like, but like if we are making a barbecue mm. sauce, that's essentially a bit of ketchup, a bit of soya, sugar, that kind yeah. of vibe. So I would add in a little bit of harissa, but then mm. just use the same amount of honey. Yeah. Because it balances out the harissa really beautifully. And if you have a squeeze of acid, whether that's vinegar or lemon juice, it also really brings out the flavor of mm. the harissa, but not necessarily because of its chili notes. Yeah.
0: So it's... It's complimentary, isn't it? It's not one of those really ingredients is. that will dominate everything. It goes yeah. in, like you said, smoked paprika. Although I love it. Just, but it covers... It, I it, mean, nothing stands a hope yeah. in hell of standing up if to it. If you put that in a dish, that's what that's you're going to taste. That's all you taste. Yeah, you're not really, really going to taste anything else.
1: And I love it, but I love it in context yeah, of... That, what, like I, I love, love chorizo. I mean, yeah. there's no way. Yeah. I, that's just one of my favorite yeah. things. I'm <laughs> not absolutely mad for it, but... I don't necessarily want it in a very delicate mm. spiced fish dish when I'm like, oh, geez, that's all I can taste yeah. is, is that. That's too much.
0: What else have you got in that store cupboard then? What about spices? Spices.
1: Um, so literally my favourite spices. if we're just peeling it back on yeah. salt and pepper. I mean, like <laughs> people are asking me, well, you know, what would you take with you <laughs> on a desert island? And I'm like... What it, I, would you take with you on a desert island? Garlic, salt, pepper and chilli. <laughs> yeah. Because really? nothing that touches those yeah. things could be bad. Because yeah. you've just, you've, seriously, <laughs> nothing. True. You've got everything you need yeah. right there. I mean, to be, to be honest, if it's a desert island, I cheat and I go, well, it's obviously going to be in the sea, so yeah. I don't really need to worry. <laughs> I, just, I can have an extra thing. I can have an extra thing. And in which case, I'll bring dairy. Something yeah. fetter. Probably die on a yeah. desert island <laughs> and be stinking in minutes. But, um, spices i'm i'm actually find myself recently going i'm using a lot more dry herbs oh, than yeah. i used to be which is interesting because they seem to be okay chili is exempt because chili's a staple for me i put that chili's in just core it's just chili along with salt and pepper yeah. <laughs> um yeah i seem to be embracing things like um wild oregano oh, wild yeah, thyme yeah. marjoram and even if you can't find the wild stuff which is just Sold in yeah. supermarkets, but you can just get regular oregano or mm. all, all thyme. And I love the citrusy vibe that marjoram has. And, you know, I had this amazing pasta dish at Trullo a few years ago. It was yeah. lemon and marjoram pasta. And I didn't, I, to be honest, I couldn't really tell you what marjoram was before that. And it was a herb, yeah. but it's not, didn't it's get never the, been in yeah. our flavor palette. And it's not something that the Brits are also, oh, love marjoram. No. You know, it's not. It's true. And then I was like, Damn, this is good, good. Yeah. yeah. And it's so lemony. Right, I'm going to have to bring this back for experimentation, of course. Now I know exactly yeah. how to use it.
0: And there's various recipes that like you you would use a dried herb over a fresh herb Yeah, because you get that extra welly different with it. Different
1: intensity, yeah. totally different intensity. Like I have um, a recipe that I did for you guys that was... Um, uh, so it had uh, it was the butter bean and butternut squash. Oh, yeah, like the, with the dried mint. And it had dried mint yeah. on, on top. You just cannot achieve
0: that no, with fresh can't. mint. No, you can It's get a really, depth. Yeah, it's a different depth. and It's, oh, it's like warm as well. It's it is, sort of, it is. Just to bring that with it. Yeah. yeah,
1: rather than that kind of fresh coolness of it. Yeah. So it's... Um, yeah, I'm mad about herbs a lot and I'm obsessed with this oregano that I get. I'm not going to lie, I get it from Kefalonia. Um, I, I went there once a few <laughs> years ago, made friends with the people that own this beautiful oh, hotel really? and ended up doing a cooking demo there. And And they just were very kind and kind of gifted me um, little prezzies. And one of them was this amazing oregano and I don't think I've ever tasted anything like it. And I just put it on everything and how does it
0: does it come in tiny little uh, buds. buds oh the buds actually yeah it's not actually the... attached
1: to the bud it's but it comes in this jar I think I've seen and it, it's the kind of stuff that if mm. like the cops found it on you yeah, and you're out about like... in a little bag they'd, they'd probably Naughty. arrest you and you're like I swear it's oregano officer um, <laughs> <laughs> it's so aromatic yeah, really and fragrant. doesn't
0: taste like crappy pizza oregano yeah. do you know what I mean completely like, different oh. yeah. it's not like dusty little no. tiny bits yeah. I think it's quite expensive but it sounds like it's worth well, investing it in for well a...
1: Kefalonia actually but, yeah. you know if you get it there it's actually it's not it's, expensive yeah. but it's so good I mean
0: you can get that here in kind
1: of like Greek delis yeah. and Turkish delis I'm going to not go. gonna leave the Turks behind yeah. otherwise I get written to it's not just the Greeks you know <laughs> Um, but yeah I, I really
0: the herbs side of it I like that bringing it back because it's you previously I do feel like dried herbs just fell out of favor you know they were seen as kind of because there's some really crappy ones still let's be honest
1: I I cannot do the mixed herb blend no there's just no good reason. And there's. I still really do think, unless it's a soup, there really is no use for dried parsley. I'm so sorry. No, I mean, can you even get it? I'm, I'm sure yeah, you, you can. can. But like, I'm sure it
0: tastes of nothing. Dried
1: dill I've found back and I use that yeah. to make um, Persian recipes. Nice. But I add fresh as well. Yeah. But it just picks up just it gives a bit of yeah Dried mint I have use for, which I think is probably the most underused of all the herbs, yeah. judging from my, what my students tell me. Yeah. And because they're like, I don't know what else to use it on. And I'm like, well, you do now. I've given you three more, (laughs) you know, dishes. Um, And I... I dried chives I kind of have a soft spot for them because I can also fold them into dishes like rice dishes that we cook the Persian way so they've had a long cooking time but I intensify it with fresh herbs again yeah
0: imagine in a barbecue rub that would work quite well as well because of the I just think actually
1: anything oniony works for me Me and it's a godsend if you don't have anything oniony it just kind of reminds me of like cheese and chive dip powder do you remember those in the 80s? yeah you'd have a sachet and it was the sachet was just this you mixed it horrific with powder milk that you mixed it with you? milk or yogurt and or it something became it became this yeah, yeah there was grandma's entertaining yeah, it completely. was
0: literally two packets <laughs> like, <laughs> like, oh my god crimes against food in the and 70s crudités. and 80s because it was the 80s yeah, so the were everything <laughs> and i think they're back i'm
1: sure they're trying they are though. i've got one recipe in my book yeah. but there's, oh my no, j- there's no there's no jo- dodgy yeah.
0: powdered dip <laughs> um one thing we're going to do, which we've never done before, is we are going to go and cook some food together <laughs> <She> <laughs> And what we're going to cook is... She says we, she's we. lying. I'm going to poke it with a spoon <laughs> and pretend I was involved. Um, your spiced green bean and tomato rice, which yeah. is based on um, much-loved Persian classic, Lubia. Palau, is that yep. right? Yeah, polo, exactly. Polo. No, I said it completely wrong. Hello. Um So tell us about that because you said in your intro that um, you know no respectable <laughs> Iranian should ever do this—remove the meat <laughs> from this dish because it's so famous. It's true. It's um,
1: you know we're we're like any culture. Ooh. It Doesn't matter. You could be Northern. You could be Irish. You could be Italian can't mess with our food mm. it comes with a lot of a weight of responsibility yeah, because if you ever bump tradition. into someone from your homeland or yeah. hometown they go what are you doing i saw what you did to our <laughs> you know i don't know yorkshire puddings yeah. and how could you do that so but actually the funny thing is the persians that i've met here they're, they're like, oh yeah, I've been making a veggie one for ages, yeah. and I'm like, what?
0: <laughs> because Permission. It's the way of the world. Yeah, of I course think it is. It's quite Pe- common. Well, it, but... It's people adapting, isn't it? You're not going to yeah. make it exactly as your granny did. You're no. going to take it and maybe no, twist not it. Not granny. Oh, no, your granny. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it is a lovely recipe, and
1: I, I just thought, you know what? There's an active amount of butter in this yeah. rice. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Um, and. That makes it for me. That satiates me as somebody who mm. still includes meat in my diet, and that will work for vegetarians. Yeah. However, vegans, as always, I do have your back because it's ridiculously easy to accommodate you in today's world here yeah. in London, especially in the UK. I would yeah, say yeah, yeah. that I made this for a vegan. Did you client use... that we had at my supper at my um, cookery classes because I w- I didn't want yeah. him to feel left out. So instead of using butter, I just ditched the butter. I used a vegan yogurt right at the bottom of the base, which you can ditch. And I just put a little bit of oil in with the rice as I'd folded it back in there. Just to to give give it that buttery greasiness, not too much. And he had the crispy bit and he was just ecstatic oh, about it. He was so, so like, cool. thank you. <laughs> I always find that if you do go out of the way for people, they are so grateful. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I'm taking your money to come to my class. So I better suck it up and
0: do a great job for you. But I, it's also your whole thing is, you know, don't be bound by this yeah. recipe. Go and try and do All something inclusive. with it. Yeah, just try and kind of twist food, it out you want for to. Food for everyone. That's yeah. the
1: whole point of this book is it's, Food for everyone. You don't need to label it. Even no. diehard carnivores, perhaps if you don't ad- advertise in advance yeah. that you're making a meatless meal because, <laughs> you know, the, the the psyche is a fragile yeah. thing. And if you tell, even if I have to tell my mother there's no meat tonight, she would be like, fine, I'll have ham um, on the side. <laughs> a bit of ham
0: on the side, she, I mean,
1: and literally has done it to prove points yeah. in the past, although now she's, she's a in my camp yeah. because we're both kind of feeling that. And actually most of my friends are like, I'm totally down with no meat. That's perfect. That's Thanks. Brilliant.
0: So what should we go and make it? Let's do it. Let's retire to the kitchen. Yes. Okay, so we've moved into the kitchen where the magic happens. Barely fitting here. (laughs) (laughs) And we're looking at a big pot. Um, Tell us what, what type of pot you're using to cook this rice. So... I don't
1: always prescribe that people go looking for non-stick pans because right. some of them aren't really great quality, but yeah. I found some great quality ones. Okay. And that just means that I don't have to line the pan because it's non-stick with, yeah. just like you would line a cake tin with like parchment paper or baking paper.
0: Oh cuz you've given us the method in the recipe yes, for doing I have. So that. So most b- people don't use. So that's uh, basically your your prep if you haven't got nonstick. That's
1: right. Exactly. So um it's that's and it, that works perfectly well yeah. but this gives me crust around the edges as well a little uh, bit right, especially okay. if I can cook it all day which yeah. I don't always have the gift of. Okay. So just follow what's in the recipe unless you have a non-stick pan. Just the worst advice, the worst thing I can tell you to do is to use a cast iron pan to cook rice. It right. is not conducive. Not no, it will work, but it will burn super fast because of the heat retention okay. capacity of yeah. cast iron pans. Okay. And also if you're cooking with gas, it's like, mm. it's a recipe for disaster, basically.
0: Okay. All right, so talk us through the recipe then. What do we, what do we start with? So there are two processes. Okay. But Basically, one process is you're essentially
1: making a um, not-so-wet green bean ragu. Yeah. Okay, you want to extract as much moisture out of it, yeah. which uh, involves a bit of diligence because if you fill the pan too much and clamp a lid on it, of course, it's just going to steam and que- okay, ki- keep right. producing moisture. Yeah. The reason we don't want moisture is because once we fold that into parboiled par- rice, mm. it just makes it claggy and it will be a very wet dish and not nice separate, gra- separate okay. grains. So you make that ragu and you really cook the tomatoes, the green beans down. Okay.
0: So you want them, you don't want them bright green. You You don't want them
1: bright green. You don't want them al dente. You want all the rigidity to have disappeared out okay. of them. That's how we cook things in the East. Yeah. It's got nothing to do with nutrition. You don't lose anything. It's all in It's all going back in, yeah. Absolutely fine. It's just how we cook things. Yeah. And it works in my mind better yeah. um, doing it the authentic way. However, you do whatever <laughs> feels good for you at home. But I just know that every mouthful is a little bit mm, easier when there's yeah. not a big
0: sort of rigid crunchy crunchy bit exactly
1: so once you've made your ragu you can even do that the night before you can even make it in advance divide it in a batch and freeze it and just whip it out all you need to do is parboil some basmati rice no judgment you use whatever you want to at home but it's basmati is (laughs) the only rice that we use in iran um, or an equivalent of basmati so you just parboil it in loads and loads of hot boiling water heavily salted so you don't need to wash it you, you're just doing it in massive no. volumes of water Iranians get, traditionally wash the, it yeah but nothing, but that's because rice was not commercially yeah. washed in history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there were so impurities like, yeah, you know, exactly. bugs and grains and stones well, and all stuff kinds of you things. you get now is not going to have any. It is commercially washed. Um, so I don't, I don't wash it and I'm parboiling it. I'm only going to rinse it under the sink yeah, exactly anyway. So. So, so you parboil it for about six minutes on gas, seven if you've got like old school electric like I do, not, not induction. <laughs> um, and then you really, really wash it thoroughly and ro- flip it over to make sure every grain of rice is completely washed clean of starch, starch, which is the enemy for us. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, Persians will swear that you probably die if you have starch. And where there's actually, (laughs) I've written rice recipes, Every which way, from (laughs) water absorption to the Persian method. We don't cook by water absorption and we are really the only culture that Um, don't. Apart from the biryani that is embedded in Indian culture and now so many other Asian cultures. Because it was a Persian rice recipe. It was Persian cooks that went to the Mughal Empire, um, you know, in that time. And they valued kind of like their French courts were pretty trendy in the 16, 15, 1600s. They valued Persian courtiers oh, and okay. cooks and language and ingredients. Yeah. And along with it came this Persian method of cooking rice and elegantly layering it with not chili, but like aromatics like yeah. saffron mm. and, you know, dried fruits and uh, nuts and whatnot. And that that's a Persian thing. Yeah. So, that, so they still cook biryani like with our rice method, okay. even though it's very much their dish. Yeah. So we're going to parboil the rice and then we're going to really, really shake it and just make sure it's nice and dry. And then so just like leave dry. it there. Leave it on the side. Oh, really,
0: You, do, you the parboiled rice, you want to dry it out for a little while before you stop. You do, just
1: because if people sometimes Ooh. are like, oh, you know, why was my rice claggy? And I was like, claggy? And they're like, yeah, wet, soggy. And I was like, how well did you rinse your rice? <sighs> oh, yeah, that's exactly what it was. And mm-hmm. I always know how to Strip. cut to exactly <laughs> the one, because there's only, it's, it's a really actually Steps. a very yeah. simple thing, but mm. there's only one, there's only a few different kinks that can cause X, Y, and Z problem. Yeah. And for wet, soggy rice in the end, that's the one, yeah. that's the only reason it could be. So once it's dry, I just think if you leave it there for 10, 15 minutes, then you're you've got total peace of mind that it's not wet anymore once yeah. you've given it a good
0: shake. And you don't even have to worry or stress about it. And then... So you don't, you wouldn't put it on like um, kitchen paper or anything to dry no. it out. It's literally just let it drain naturally. And despite. people think, oh, you want to put it in a big bowl of ice to cool it down. <laughs> and I have this uh, iced water, and I'm like, yeah, you don't need to do that. Just run it, the cold tap. Is over that people it. worrying about poisoning themselves.
1: No, I think people are worried about uh, people very kind in cookery schools that want to cool the rice down. And I'm like, well, yeah, I know that's great with vegetables, but you yeah. don't need to do that. Just turn the tap on. <laughs> it's absolutely fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of a bit redundant. Yeah. Emptying a pack of ice. Over my rice, just it's unnecessary. The cold tap does everything. just does it, yeah. And then all you do is you can fold or layer the green bean mixture. I like to fold it so it all gets a good coating. You fold it into the rice, kind of like you would fold um egg whites into a a meringue base, gently. Mm -hmm. Gently. Because you don't want to mush the rice Rice to puree. So not a figure of eight, but you're lifting from the bottom. Mm. And then you just pile it back into the pan with some ghee and this recipe I've written saffron and a little bit of yogurt which is oh. one way of how we make tadig this crunchy base so t- tadig is the crunchy base tah means base yeah. or bottom not yeah. bottom as in pert bottom <laughs> but bottom as in uh, end Could, we have multiple meanings oh, for this word okay, but tah is just it just means base or bottom yeah
0: and dig means pan okay so like but is the dish sometimes called tadig as well it is called... No,
1: not the dish. It's the dish. tajik is only the crust. It's only the crust, It just means right. base of the pan, bottom of the uh, pan. Okay. Um, and so, but it is an integral part of any rice dish for us. Mm. And if if an Iranian knows if there's rice on the go, there's got to be crust. Yeah. <laughs> so if suddenly crust doesn't yeah. make an appearance on the table... I think I someone's mean, ate it. it would, they will know. They'll be like, hang on a second. You know, <laughs> everybody would be thinking the same thing. And we can't say because we, we have a really polite culture yeah. where you would never dare question it. So we're thinking, okay. she's,
0: burnt she's burnt it. She's burnt it. It's
1: on the pan. <laughs> she burnt it. Because they wouldn't eat it. Because yeah. it's, a, it, it's the real pride of any cook yeah, to yeah, be able yeah. to serve a good tadig. So... um and then, so putting saffron and yogurt into it. For this recipe, I wanted to go authentic and do this particular version. Okay. The truth is, if you don't have the budget for saffron or you can't find it, ditch it. Yeah. And you can also ditch the yogurt. You can use just ghee, which is a clarified fat, which we commonly use in Iran, yeah, yeah. but we don't call it ghee. We just call it kare, which means butter. Okay. Um, but clarified obviously enables you to cook it for much longer yeah, yeah, without yeah, burning. Yeah. Um, or you can just use veg oil.
0: No olive oil, just veg oil. And that's what you're okay. melting on the bottom of the palm before yep. you before you tip that rice that absolutely you've... you need fat because you're frying the rice yeah. at the bit. like
1: people are like, oh god that's a lot of oil or a lot yeah. of butter and i'm like yeah and if you're the diet end of the spectrum you can have the rice on top, top which is just yeah. steamed oh, yeah. so there's something for everyone yeah and it's obviously not just the green bean and tomato rice we have plain rice yeah. if we have plain rice it's called cello like yeah. hello um and if it's rice with something mixed in it it's called polo right. which is what all those words pilau uh, plof yeah, pilaf yeah yeah i was
0: thinking it sounds like all pilau, come yeah. from Persian language yeah. but we say polo like polo polo
1: um and then yeah.
0: so once so you got your but, you've got your ghee and your yogurt and your saffron in the bottom the rice goes on top yeah. then you happens? scatter it in scatter it because in because you're not trying to oh, compress it you don't want to compress it you, you want don't. to kind of li- gently haphazardly that's so there's enough room for for steam because the
1: base is the cooking source so the heat source is at the bottom so if you're going to cook the rice at the top it's still got to draw heat from the below and then you wrap a cloth around a lid and you clamp it on nice and tight yeah so it becomes a steam chamber so that the the um the cloth is there to just Give Tighten you a proper it. seal. A proper seal. seal. Proper seal. And you know how biryani sometimes have a pastry seal? Yeah. Which I think is a mm. convenient perk uh, <laughs> of pastry <laughs> and rice. Yeah. I, I always eat it. I look around and I go, who's yeah. looking?
0: Okay, I'm totally <laughs> Who else is this? eating it? I'm eating it. It's fine. <laughs> I don't care. They're like, that stupid idiot. She's yeah. eating the pastry again. And then what sort um, of heat have we got on? Because we've got one on the stove now. So what sort of heat is that on? So cooking? I like to s- heat...
1: Uh, what I do at home is very different to what I preach because if I've got to teach a recipe that's generically going to work yeah, for every for home, it's not—it's a, a, a minefield yeah. to be perfectly honest. So I'll be truthful and I'll tell you what I'm doing at home. Yeah. I've got it. I've got crappy electric, old non-induction electric ceramic yeah. hobs. I've got it started on like five out of nine, just yeah. so that it gets a little kickstart of crisping okay, up so you the rice. So get the heat
0: going through, it, but yeah. then
1: right down to like really three. but i could keep it on three probably for five hours
0: really you can keep this on rice all day and it won't overcook one iota so once so you're looking to get the the browning started then turn it right down and then just just leave it yeah Yeah.
1: just to steam without compromising burning the process
0: so you're making your own little kind of rice cooker thing there like a rice cake yeah i think um I've got a friend who's um, Persian heritage, called Cyrus. All um, oh, right, yeah, name of got, a king. Got brother
1: called Darius. Of course, the name of another king, <laughs> Cyrus and Darius, yeah. and Layla and Mariam are probably like the yeah. most popular. He's married names. to someone called Layla. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I just yeah. throw in the last one, Yasmin. Yasmin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally my nephews are called Cyrus yeah. and Darius. But he
0: was obsessed with his his Persian rice cooker. That you know. Used that to great do cheats the...
1: tool yeah, in every
0: which fights what... every oh, every law of cooking guys yeah, but, but it, it was works. the first time I'd ever come across this idea of he was like, You've got to get it's all about the crust, gene, it is. it's, all, it's about all about the crust, crust. it's yeah. all about the crust, and yeah. we've gone about it and made it for us, and it was it, it was it's magical. So easy, but
1: I've never used yeah. one. Yeah. And I never because we weren't, you know, this house it was not the center of culinary excellence yeah. in my childhood. Yeah. So we never had one. I think my grandma may have bought one yeah. and then it just sat right here in this corner yeah and then eventually it was like just made redundant and i <laughs> I, I just i think she just gave it away to yeah. someone so people always tell me can i do that in a rice cooker i'm like i'm sure you, you can, can. Yeah. Uh, i have no idea i can't tell you and I i'm like not like to you know
0: you work with what you've got and then you kind of you'll just wrestle with it until you find the perfect method for doing it and i guess that's people at home who are going to do that and
1: don't i re- i one of the biggest things that upsets me in books is when it's asking you to use a specific yeah. bit of kit I and I'm lot. like food processor yeah. fine <laughs> yeah okay most people have even the mini mm. processor the mini chopper of like what 20 quid or something like yeah. that I don't want to tell people go and buy a rice cooker go yeah. and buy a bread mixer yeah like I was always like bread is the oldest thing known to man <laughs> and we've it. been making it by hand for thousands yeah. of years I will never tell people, I'll tell people it might be improved if you use the dough hook. I haven't said that yet, but actually, I want you to take great joy from making bread. Yes, and yes. it's so easy mm. that, you know, I've loved it and experienced it, then you should too. Don't, mm. I can't stand being told to buy extra kit weird ingredients that I will probably never use again yeah. I'm very careful to not dictate that to people it's you know not everybody has the same budgets yeah, and exactly. you've got to be mindful of that and also space look at my kitchen it's like <laughs> thank god this is like a podcast because I think you guys would be <laughs> like, like oh kitchen. god her kitchen's I a, a mess here, I think.
0: <laughs> um, so how long are we leaving the rice on for so, technically,
1: um, if you're cooking on gas, your options are a lot less. I'm mm. not going to lie. If you're cooking on gas, it's about 45 minutes on the lowest flame on your gas hob. This, different story, because it's electric or induction even, mm. can be controlled really nicely. So, I can afford to cook this. This has been on probably for a couple of hours okay. now.
0: Okay. So, when are we going to turn it out now? If you like. All right. Well, Hold shall on. I just grab your... <laughs> yes, grab the mic. <laughs> yeah. Let's do it live on air. I think in the... I think in your recipe as well, which we might have missed this one step, which is you do um, poker... Wooden spoon into the rice to because yes, like, I, I think that helps That's the steam once just help the mixed Everything
1: together and layered the rice into the pan. Yeah. If you use just the back of a wooden the handle of Handlewood a wooden spoon, spoon yeah. anything really, and you just stab lots of holes right to the bottom, yeah. ma- making sure you don't scratch your nice non-stick surfaces. Yeah. <laughs> Be careful with some tools. Yeah. It just allows little vents okay. for steam to rise faster to the top. So okay. yeah, that helps. It's a a trick. Actually, my granny taught me. Yeah. Who reluctantly, probably cooked a handful of times. I'm <laughs> um, just to avoid the the clang that's going to come. No, now. it's fine.
0: Don't worry. It's it's live. I like it. <laughs> live. Live cooking. <laughs> Okay, so we've unveiled, unveiled the beauty of the
1: rice. So um, we've taken the lid off, and the first thing that you should get is a shot of steam yeah. and a, a waft of what you're cooking. Without that shot of steam, the rice at the top isn't cooked because yeah. the steam will just be begging to come yeah. out. So that's perfect. That tells you your rice is cooked. Some of them sort of curl slightly, but essentially it's all kind of Yeah, and grains. you can
0: actually see that the rice is all separate. separate yeah. yeah, it's so, not like in a so big wadgy mass so right? then you find and this is yes. this is in most people's
1: houses <laughs> this is the the bigger problem is you find a vessel that's going to be bigger than the the cooking pot that you've Size used. Size of the rice. So a big platter or a tray lined with foil or something like that. doesn't have to be pretty. Nobody's no. going to complain because the food is going to be no. tasting good. So if they complain, kick them but out. But
0: we're literally going to turn this out a hole and it's it's massive. This like is like the most this is
1: the most religious I ever become. I'm yeah. like,
0: oh god, oh god, oh god. <laughs> say a little um, prayer.
1: Say a little prayer, literally. And then you put the platter bowl, whatever, over it. Yep. Over the surface, open lid of the uh, vessel, the pot. Yeah. I don't know this is going to be messy. I'm, not, oh, I'm really worried. It looks this really precarious. precarious. This is slightly bigger than us. okay. Are you sure this Jeez. is, is this
0: safe?
1: Yeah, I hope so. Okay. God. Right, and then you grab the handles, making yeah. sure you've got a firm grasp with yeah. your tea towel over it. Yeah, because it's going to be hot. Yep. One, two, three.
0: Oh, my God. <laughs> you just okay. practically That's held it up. Over, you your head. Flip it over
1: your head
0: <laughs> i didn't i didn't think you were gonna do that
1: didn't you no it, it has to be you can't mess around oh my either. god
0: it's perfect thank god <laughs> oh my god the god. only
1: time the only time you don't want to mess up is when you're trying to show someone how great you are at doing something. oh my god it's absolutely <laughs> and if beautiful. if you bring the mic closer i'll show you one integral part put it there yeah the crispy. the crispy crust surface it's kind of I always almost make it akin to like the creme brulee test yeah. you know you want to make sure that you've
0: got a solid
1: surface on top but of yeah. course it's not a shard of sugar like that it's it is
0: absolutely and it's so stunning I'm going to grab a picture of this so we can stick it on Instagram so everyone's going to see fabulous yeah and we're going to eat this now which <laughs> we are going to eat this which is why we're saying goodbye no like <laughs> no well I was going to say because we have done for almost an hour um Thank you so much for chatting to us today about the book. So the book's called Bazaar. Bazaar, yeah. And it's out right now for people to buy, it I believe.
1: Everywhere. Yeah. All good bookshops, yeah. local
0: retailers,
1: online.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and the recipes in there also in the April some of them in the April edition of Olive magazine, um, which is out at the end of this week. But thank you so much, Sabrina, again, for coming to chat to us. It was brilliant. Thank, thank you. you so much so that was the olive magazine podcast if you like this episode please head over to itunes and leave a review we'd really love to hear from you if you'd like to find out more information on things in this episode you can visit our website olivemagazine.com you can pick up a copy of our brand new april issue with all the recipes we talked about with sabrina on the newsstand now or go and download the app version more food and drink chat